Welcome to this Market Commentator podcast. It forms part of MoneyWeb's weekly series of interviews with leading investment professionals. My name is Rijk van Ikerk. Our guest today is Willem de Vos. He is CEO of Outers Fund Managers. Willem, welcome to the show. We are currently seeing significant volatility in the market. Uh, some commentators even say we are on our way to an official correction. What is your take on what is currently happening? Thanks, Rijk. Thanks for the opportunity to, to talk to you. We, as, as autos fund managers, manage predominantly nest egg money on behalf of, of people saving towards uh, retirement, either from the, for themselves or on behalf of their kids. So it's really long-term, long-term assets that we're managing, and we continuously try to, to, to refocus ourselves away from, the, from what seems to be the topical news of the day into you know, what would constitute good meaningful long-term investment decisions. So uh, we've seen a bit of a correction over the last few days in, in the South African market and even the, the offshore markets weren't particularly strong. You know, you'll find many, many reasons in the popular media as to why, you know, volatility is what it is and why it's going in the direction that it's going. Um, um, if we take a step back, you know, our view is basically that, yes, uh, you know, the markets are historically expensive, um, but that's the way that they behave, you know, almost like a person inhaling and exhaling. Uh, sometimes they go up, but sometimes they go down, and I'm not trying to be flippant about it, but, you know, we consciously don't base, you know, the core of our investment decision-making on the way we think the market is going to go in the next uh, few days or even weeks. Um, we fundamentally equity bulls because we believe that's your best um, your best chance to hedge against uh, inflation. Mm. And therefore, you know, we believe and that that philosophy seemed to stand us in good stead in the past is that if we buy and own the right assets, then your clients will be fine. But we do have a lot of liquidity in the market at the moment and and it flows from various quantitative easing schemes um, where we are seeing very low interest rates. And uh, if we do see an, an interest rate hike in the U.S., you know, uh, later this year, it would impact the market. How do you view this potential risk for the equity markets that are currently at record highs? Yeah, it is a it is a bit of an orange light for us as well. Right? Um, that's certainly a big, um, uh, you know, international or macro factor. My personal view is that you know the whole concept of quantitative easing is a, is a bit warped to me. You know, it's it's basically you know medicine that was given to delay. The, you know, the reality of people just having borrowed too much. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, in the real long term, it's probably good that we see quantitative easing, you know, not being something that, you know, that people continue to talk about and for things to revert in a, in a measured way to how they were before all of this came about. Um, on a local level, you know, we are concerned about, you know, when companies are going to really start report over earnings periods that included the full... 12 months of, of load shedding because we do think that, you know, people tend to underestimate the effect that that has had specifically on our manufacturing industry. But once again, you know, does that mean that we now go and sell everything and, and sit on cash and wait for uh, Armageddon to arrive? Um, not the case. Um, you know, you, you will remember that at many, almost any instance in the past, you know, bad news and orange lights are, you know, a part of what constitute a normal market. So, we, we, we certainly think the, 
the risks are higher and, and more stretched than, than what they normally are, but, but not enough for us to say, you know, equity is not the right place to be. We're certainly not, in our opinion, where we were at the end of, of 2008 and 2009. You know, we, we, we just had this exuberance in the market, you know, about people borrowing as much as they can and buying urban, you know, all over residential developments and thinking that they're going to, you know, double their money in six months or a year. Um, uh, there's still, you know, much more realism in the way that people spend and and we think even in the in the way that those patterns gets discounted in mm. share prices than, than was the case when we lost a, a, a proper correction. Do you gauge the mindset of your investors or your clients at all? Um, obviously, your funds have done really well over the last year, few years. It's been in a, you know the whole market has been in a in a very strong bull market. Mm. How do you manage that expectation of those clients for you to repeat that that performance? We do try to educate them, Rick, by telling them, you know, you've made some good money um, in 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 real and in absolute terms. Don't get too attached, you know, to the current level of 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 of, of your your savings. If you look at those numbers, because uh, these days with the, with the platforms being as transparent as they are, you know, a lot of guys can actually go look at and monitor their retirement savings values, you know, almost in the same way that they that they can if they just go to the online banking. It, de- it depends to some extent who you're talking to. You know, some of the elderly people who's not making or contributing new money, you know, wants for that, that golden goose that they've put together to, to be worth as much as possible. Some of your younger clients, you know, appreciate the market sometimes, you know, coming down a little bit to give them an opportunity to invest at, you know, at more reasonable levels. So, you know, it's, it's part of what we do um, on the advisory side of the business is trying to um, manage clients' expectations and the greed and fear, you know, depending on, on their profile as a client. Um, it, it's what makes our job interesting as well, if I, if I can add that. If we look at your, you know, specific funds, um, the big one is your equity fund, uh, the domestic equity fund, and uh, the top counters in that fund is NASPAS, PSG, and Steinhoff. Uh, and those yes. three shares have really done well over the last few years. How do you read their the potential now? They, they have, and to some extent, you know, it's difficult not to become worried about their valuation levels along with, you know, basically the majority of the rest of the market. Um, but they are there, Rake, and they will probably continue to be there based on our philosophy of buying and owning good quality businesses that have a history of success. We execute a simple and easy to understand business model. Um, you know, some of them have significant family or management interest in, in, in the way that they run. The most of all of those that you mentioned have got strong and diverse offshore income streams. And they all relentlessly stick to their core competencies. And we're quite happy to, you know, to provide business models and managements like that with capital and to remain invested in them because, you know, we believe they'll continue to look after shareholders um, and going forward. Um, again, you know, if you know that at some point in the future you're going to be reliant on your savings to pay for, for outgoes that you know you definitely will incur, it's, it's a lot easier to invest in stuff that, you know, that has got incomes that relentlessly a ring at the bottom of the toe at the end of the month. For us, it's fundamentally difficult to try and make an investment case for, you know, the 
some of the so-called value stocks that at the moment look very attractive, but that's very volatile, and, and, and you can say with very little certainty exactly if or if indeed, you know, if it's going to happen, you know, when they're not necessarily going to reward you as, a, as an investor. But that's the, you know, the commodity sector is definitely a sector a lot of value investors are looking at. Um, and it seems to be the sector on the JAC that, you know, in quotation marks, offers value. Um, how do you read the commodity sector and are you uh, starting to look at uh, individual shares there? Look, we, we, we haven't removed that from our investment uh, horizon. You know, it's something which which we will invest in if we think that, you know, we're in for a bit of a rally. But one of the other uh, fund managers, Alan Gray, has done a study a few um, years ago, actually not that long ago, where they compared the, you know, the profit of the platinum sector 10 years ago with what it um, is delivering now. And whereas the absolute level of profit has, you know, almost doubled, you know, what the providers of the capital or the shareholders get in absolute terms really hasn't changed much. You know, the majority of that profit has, has gone to labor, you know, for for very well publicized um, reasons in our country. So it's almost like nationalization in the in the guise of, of, of corporate or, or private endeavor. And and it, it makes it difficult if you if you try to invest purely on you know commercial and economic reasons to be putting money into those things you know if you look at it on your ten and your fifteen and twenty year graphs they look they look cheap but you you can't um, ignore the fact that around those graphs you know the world and circumstances and and macro dynamics have changed you know and pr- probably gives a provides a good reason for the graphs to look the way that they do at the moment. Can you just elaborate on that? Um, be more specific. Exactly what are you referring to? Yeah, I think in, uh, the, you know, for a lot of those commodity stocks, but specifically in South Africa, the, the labor situation is, is precarious, to say the, lead, the, the least. You, you, you've got as the management of a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a platinum or even a gold or you know, most of the other commodity com- companies, you've got very little room to maneuver in terms of, you know, labor relations. You're exposed to the fact that if people don't work, you know, you're not going to get the, the material out of the ground. You're not going to be able to sell it and, and you know, execute your business model. So it's become very politicized, um, and it's become, you know, in our opinion, a lot more risky than, than it was 10 or 20 years ago. Um, I'm not criticizing the reasons for that. But, you know, if you sit on the side of, you know, capital that's looking for a place to sweat, um, you know, it doesn't to us at the moment offer the attraction that it, that it used to. I hope that makes it clear. Um, that's about what I can say about mm. it. Let's look at your international investments. Um, you are pretty uh, confident in Apple and Starbucks. Why are those two companies? Yeah. We went out and, you know, with a mindset of, once again, on behalf of our, own, of our clients, you know, looking to own pieces of, you know, good businesses, businesses that's been successful, that are, you know, that have proven themselves to be successful little money-making machines. You know, clearly, if you look at the main industries and you start by looking at the dominant players in those industries, you know, your chances of, of finding those businesses are quite good. And so... 
you know, we don't purport to be international experts. We are a team of fairly well-experienced individuals, you know, out in the northern suburbs of, of Cape Town. You know, we don't travel the globe daily um, and, and, and go research all these companies, you know, and walk around in their factories. But we we use their products. There's a lot that you can read about them, you know, either, you know, in the, in the generally available press or, or by, you know, international analysts. You know, we think um, the way that, that that Apple have dealt with technology and continues to innovate, you know, is, has been and continues to be the way of the future. We think there's there's quite a lot of good news uh, still enshrined in there. Not only you know when the next iPhone or iPad comes out, but you know with their payment system that's going to you know we think revolutionise the way people pay for stuff into the future. Coffee, we think, is something that's that's come to stay. You know, it's all, almost the the new alcohol, so to speak, just a lot less dangerous and with a lot less social problems, and therefore, you know, a lot more acceptable. It, it, it's brands that we know that we've, you know, that you sometimes use yourself and that you feel has got a future. So we we feel comfortable in putting money in some of those business and also in some of the others in our global fund. You know, um, the counters there like like BMW and and Porsche. Um, and Visa and MasterCard, you know, to some extent, it's a privilege to be able to own some of those businesses because you don't get them in South Africa. If you're a South African investor, you're limited to, a, you know, a few type of industries. And, you know, this is, besides the offshore currency exposure, it's a way for the investing public, yeah, you know, to gain access to to, to industries and to companies who are world famous and who are very, very successful at what they're doing. Mm. Just lastly, um, the Chinese market is also uh, a very uh, a darling of international investors at the moment. It has also run incredibly hard over the last 12 months. What, uh, what is your view on China? Yeah, I'd be dead honest with you there. Like, um, we, we're not China experts. Um, we, we're aware of a few, and you know, at some point we may back them with, with some of our money. But... Um, you know, it's it, it's a great story. Um, we used to look at China in the past to try and gauge, you know, what the demand for for commodities are going to be, because you know that's that was one way in which you can, you know, um, benefit from that story, and it was one way to try and forecast what's going to happen to to local commodity stocks, you know, hopefully a bit more accurately. Um, we don't see China necessarily running away. It's great that they are, you know, being um, you know, emancipated economically. It's definitely, you know, becoming one of the powerhouses in the world economically. But, you know, we we only have exposure to, to the Chinese story, you know, through the, um, you know, through the, comp- the global companies that we invest in that also does business in China, you know, such mm-hmm. as the ones that I've, the, that I've mentioned. Um, Naspers, you may know these days, you know, we, we still call it Naspers, which is a very Afrikaans-sounding name, but, you know, it's it's almost exclusively, a, you know, a Chinese IT company. So, you know, if you just invest in the JSE, you already get quite a lot of uh, Chinese exposure. And so, yeah, that's uh, we're exposed to China, but we don't go out and, 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 you know, pretend to be experts on China or specifically, um, you know, try to invest in stocks listed, you know, in, in China. Willem de Vos is CEO of Autos Fund Managers.